I'm talking about that we have a choice. And if you know me, that's pretty comical because I'm not really a decision maker. <laughs> My personality lends towards indecision. I really just kind of get paralyzed when you give me choices. And um, I remember when Steve and I were married early on. And, um, he, you know, he would want to know where I wanted to go eat. The famous question, of course, where do you want to go to eat? And I remember thinking, that is the hardest question in the whole wide world. Because I am thinking through, because I'm a processor, I'm an analyzer. And so I am thinking, what's our budget? Where are we in the town? What restaurants are near us? Um, what time frame do we have? Uh, what does he like to eat? What do I want to eat? Because I, I'm a people pleaser, so I don't want to go somewhere that he doesn't like to eat. You know, I like food, so I can pretty much find anything anywhere. Um, so, except McDonald's. I do not like McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> so, um, that would be a total... Uh, he, but he already knows that. He knows that that's never an option. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, so here's this question asked to me, and I'm like paralyzed and he is wanting a quick answer because if you know my husband he does everything on a little bit of a different speed than the normal uh, average person uh, which makes him awesome but not very many people can keep up with him and so um, he has grown a lot in his patience but you know one of the things that have helped eliminate this out of this frustration out of our marriage, was finally I realized that what was so hard to make the decision was because the choices were overwhelming. There were way too many choices, and so there was absolutely no way for me to narrow it down. And so what I began to ask him to do was, well, give me three choices, and then I will choose. And so then that tells me budget, area, what he approves of, and that's plenty of choices for me. Three, I can pick something that I like. And so that is really a limit. It has not eliminated every frustration in our marriage, but it definitely is at least minus one. And so, um, you know, as much as, and I'm sure that some of you relate with the fact that why can't you make a decision? It's not that hard. Which one do you want? And some of you relate with me, and you're thinking, you know what? I have a tough time making decisions, too. Um, that's the worst thing in the whole wide world. Uh, but, you know, when I was early on studying the Word of God and st studying the Bible and really digging into what God wants me to be as a woman, what does he say in his Word? How, what does he want me to be? Who, who does he want me to act like? What does he want me to do? You have all these questions when you become a Christian and you really want to learn and you're digging into the word. And what I found was that, you know, I would look in Proverbs and I would look in Genesis and I would look in Titus and I would look throughout the, the scriptures of different women that were in different stories in the Bible. And what I found was they were all different. And it's awesome because we're all different. So the awesome thing is, is that God didn't limit us to one person's story. He provided many stories to help us relate and help us to get it. And so that's one of the things that I love about the scriptures is that God tries to get our attention in so many different ways and angles because he knows all of us learn and relate and connect different ways. And you know what? 
I needed a little help breaking it down. And the awesome thing is, is that in James, it says that if you need wisdom, that you ask for it, and he gives it to you. And he can simplify the word to help us apply it to our lives. You know, in the ministry, you know, even as I was looking into the Bible, I was having a hard time making a decision of what God wanted me to do. And, you know, here are all these decisions, and I need some simplicity. Um, And, you know, one of the funny things is, is like, he is so, he loves us so much, he doesn't leave us confused. He doesn't want us to be confused when we read his word. And so when we begin to connect with him and ask his Holy Spirit to reveal it to us, he breaks it down for us. You know, when we, we've been in ministry for a long time and many people come to get counseling and so here we have this young man who was, had been in our lives for a really long time, and um, he was a ping-pong ball almost. He just could not make a decision. And as soon as he made a decision, he would change his mind. And I remember thinking, that's just him. He's just immature, and he'll grow, and it'll get better. But I remember as I knew him longer, um, there was a decision he made that directly affected Stephen and I, and I remember getting so frustrated because he changed his mind. And I remember thinking, just make a decision. Like, I felt like I was anointed from God to go tell him, (laughs) just make a decision and stick with it. Uh, That's the problem. That's all your problems if you would just make a decision. Um, But I remember God using that opportunity in my life to correct me because that's often how he does it. I'll give some piece of advice to somebody else, or I think someone else should take this advice, and then he teaches it back to me. And um, in that season of my life, I remember being in a season of a season of indecision, and it was just to wondering whether I just whether I wanted to have another child or not. And I literally all my joy had been stolen because I was stressed to decide. I need and with my my physical body, I needed to make a decision whether I was going to have another one or not. And I remember thinking, this is such a hard decision. And every day, I was, like, stressed about this decision, and I really needed to make it quickly. (laughs) And so um, I remember thinking in that situation, and I was really just not happy because I was so worried about making the right decision. And I remember God saying, just make a decision (laughs) and stick with it. (laughs) And I remember thinking, okay. (laughs) But that's the very fear I have is because I want to make the right decision. You know, and when we looked at the word, sometimes it's like we're so worried about making the right interpretation of it that we don't read it simply and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to see? And I want to kind of dig into some of these concepts in the word, um, you know, that we have a choice. You know, in Joshua 24, 15, it says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I really believe that today God is asking us as ladies to make a decision on a few things tonight. And I believe it's a perfect time of the year to do it. Here we are in January, and we really get the opportunity for a fresh start. And we can make some choices in our life that may lead us in the path that God God has for us. You know, we all face regularly 
decisions that will cause us fear or stress or anxiety. I don't know, you may not be that way, but for me, I have struggled with anxiety since I was a teenager. And I remember this year, and as we came into the new year, I remember hearing the Lord saying, you're not going to let anxiety be the Lord of your life anymore. And I remember thinking, okay, this year, anxiety will not be the Lord of my life any longer. And you know, it's funny because I'm a pastor's wife, and you would think, surely, you should know that you shouldn't have any gods other than God. <laughs> and, um, but you know what? I think that it's so easy for us to look at the Old Testament, because in the Old Testament, God was always correcting them and telling them to not have idols and not worship anybody but God. So oftentimes, because we don't have graven images, it's easy for us to disconnect ourselves from that scripture and just be like, I don't really know why they would kneel down to a golden calf. Like, what's the appeal in that? But, you know, often every day we make decisions whether we're going to bow down to the golden calf of fear, stress, anxiety, pride, uh, lust, um, depression. I don't, uh, there's a million things, defeat, discouragement. And so I am excited about the opportunity to choose that he is my God this year, every day, no matter what. And the funny thing is, is so I feel like sometimes we make it very difficult. And I believe it's very clear in Genesis that actually, and we'll read this here in a little bit, but that God gave us dominion. He gave us dominion. Now, I do believe that God is in control as a whole, but I believe he's delegated authority to us and that we have dominion, especially over what he's called us to tend to. And that first is ourselves, is our thoughts, our emotions, our bodies, we have dominion to choose God's way or the enemy's way. And this year, my prayer for the ladies in the house is that every day we wake up and we choose his way. And we choose that we would not bow to any other idol or any other God, but to him. You know, I don't know about you, but when I, I love it when I get to talking to somebody and chatting and we just click. Have you ever experienced that where you're just like, you, you just met them and like 10 minutes later you leave that conversation and think we could be best friends. You know, like if you just give us an hour, like we'll get each other's phone numbers, Facebooks, you know what I'm saying? We'll have coffee next week. We click. And that is so fun. And one of the people in the Bible that I read about and I think I just click with her, I get her. I get why she did what she did, what her thought, I, I can get in her brain, and that person is Eve. You know, here's a little backstory on Eve. She was the first woman that God created. So those who may not know, God created, we believe that God created the world, and he created man and woman. The first man was Adam, the first woman was Eve, and I believe she was a woman just like you and me. She, you know, some of us in the room may have had, not had a childhood. Maybe our childhood was st stolen from us. Maybe we didn't get to experience that. Well, you know, Eve didn't have a childhood. She was created into, thankfully, into a perfect world. And she made a choice with Adam to cause that perfect world to go away. And so now we get to learn 
from her life. You know, whether you are young or young at heart, whether you're married or single or short or tall, we all have longing inside of us, desire inside of us that God placed in us that we can all relate to. One of them is security. One of them is to see what the future holds. I don't know about you, but that's the, one of the most concerning things in my life is I just want to know what the future holds. How is it going to turn out? <laughs> is it going to work? Is it going to fail? Is it going to succeed? Is it, what does it look like? I'm hungry to know the answers and what's going to happen. To be talked to, I want someone to stop what they're doing and talk to me and pay attention all to me. And I am sure that you are no different. Okay, so to be cared for, to be given something that you don't have. You know, all of us, whether, okay, so some of us are girly girls and you give us a diamond, we want a diamond that we don't have. Some of us are not that way and you give me a a bulldozer and I need that, I don't have that, that's great. (laughs) I don't know where you're at, but we all want something that we don't have. All right, so in Genesis 2, 28 through 30, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is in Genesis 2, 28 through 30. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food, and to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. Okay, so let me break this down a little bit to you. In verse 28, it kind of tells us a little bit about what she was thinking. So have you ever thought, walked into a, a meeting or a situation and thought, if I was in charge, I would do this, 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 and this. Or if I was in charge, I think you should, or it would all be better if I were in charge, or I would fix it, or I know. Okay, I think we've all probably been in that situation. So guess what? Eve and her husband were in charge. They were in charge. So when they walked into the garden, they didn't have that. If I was in charge, she was. Okay, so 229, verse 29. This talks a little bit about, I want to give the example of collections. Anybody collect anything in here? Any collectors? Only one, two, three? Okay. Uh, We're coming into a simplistic age. (laughs) Okay. So my daughter, um, Hallie, she collected Beanie Boos. Anybody know what a Beanie Boo is? It's a little stuffed animal with really big eyes. And um, so she collected Beanie Boos for a season. And I honestly remember collecting things when I was little, so I thought it was cute. So And and they were only $5, so it was a great present to get her, like when you go on a trip or like in a stocking. So I kind of encouraged it for a little while, and she would use her own money. And before we knew it, her room literally was a Beanie Boo Zoo. You know what I'm saying? Like you could not walk through her room without stepping on a beanie boo and we tried all kinds of things you know you make your bed you put them on your bed you uh, my mom helped me make this like thing that you hang them from the walls that they look like they were hanging and (laughs) 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 and finally finally we were like enough is enough Hallie we just we cannot be a house that stores all your beanie boos okay so (laughs) 
We finally had to give away bags and bags and bags of Beanie Boos. But the funny thing was is about her collection is that there was, it was never enough. There was always a new Beanie Boo coming out. <laughs> and there was always one that she did not have. And so it's crazy that even at her young age, she still wanted something she didn't have. She didn't necessarily need it. But she still was compelled to spend every dime she earned on what she didn't have. And see, Eve had every tree, every herb, every fruit. There weren't any that she was not given except two. She was literally given everything. It says this, every tree, every herb, everything. But she still didn't have just that, that one or two trees that God didn't give her. Then in verse 230, uh, chapter 2, verse 30, it says, I, uh, like, she was given everything she needed to take care of all the responsibilities she had. So here in verse 30, it says that the animals that she was supposed to take care of, God had given them everything that they needed. And I don't know about you, but I'm a mama, and you may be a mama of children or pets. You may be a boss, but you're responsible for something. And one of the things that if you're responsible for something is that you care about is that they have what they need. If you're a boss, you want to make sure your employees are taken care of. You want to make sure they have what they need to do the job the best that they can do. If you're a mom, you're, all, you're working hard to provide a life for your children that you may not have had. You want to make sure that all their needs are met. And then if you're your pet, you're, making, you're thinking of how much did they eat? Are they not feeling good? Did I let them out? I've got to go back to the house. We're all in charge of somebody. And here Eve was in charge of these animals. But the thing is, is God had given her everything she needed to take care of the animals. And so this gets really interesting. She had it all, and she had everything she needed, but she was still deceived. She still was deceived when she had it all. So Satan played on her longings that God placed inside of her, tempted her in such a crafty way that it was almost impossible to resist. And you know what? This may seem very unspiritual, but I am a chocolate chip cookie dough lover. <laughs> and it is very difficult for me to resist chocolate chip cookie dough. And so, for instance, they have this new, like, no-bake chocolate chip cookie dough that you can buy at Walmart. But guess what? There's only two Walmarts near me that, that sell it. And I have called and asked. Okay, so I have actually, our church is on a fast right now. And uh, we're about to be done with it. And I'm super excited. And uh, this week I bought my tub of chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. And I put it in the refrigerator just waiting for when <laughs> I can partake in it. Okay, it's very difficult for me to resist it. And this is bad because mamas usually let your kids have anything you have. But not this. My kids know if they want some, they have to buy their own tub. <laughs> like, this is not something that mama shares. Okay, so, <laughs> and so here she is tempted by the enemy, and she just can't resist the offer to have something that she doesn't have. To have somebody talk to her. Adam's busy doing his job, doing his thing. He wasn't around. He's not paying attention to her. But here the snake comes. And listen, it's not like when we read the story we think the snake, ew, it's the only good snake is a dead snake. 
okay, why would Eve talk to the snake? But here it, it is before the fall. So the snake is not scary. The snake is not ugly. The snake is not something that they hate. The snake is just another animal like all the other animals that are all beautiful that they love. And so here she is. The snake is talking to her, giving her attention. He's caring about her because don't you want to know what God is holding back on you? Don't you want to know how it all turns out? Don't you want a glimpse of the future? Are you sure? Like, what does God have in store? Like, why are you here? And what are you doing? Don't you want to know? Don't you want, this is the one tree that he won't let you have. Don't you want what you don't have? Okay, so here's the deal. She had everything she needed and was deceived by the enemy that she didn't have everything. And I thought about us, how much the enemy can steal from us simply by convincing us that he, God is not enough. And the one thing about God is he truly does fulfill us. And there is nothing in this world that can fulfill us more. And one of the things, the reasons why, is because there's no end to him. When you seek him, you find him. And when you seek him tomorrow, you find him again and you find more of him. And there's always more and there's never a lack when we seek him. But yet we get busy and we start focusing on our husband's away. He's busy. He's not taking care of us. He's not paying attention to us. You know what? I want a bigger house. I want to own a home. I need a new car. I... I just want a friend. I just want somebody to talk to me. If I had a real-life friend, that would be better. If they understood everything. And this is how we do with friends. We are looking for a friend who has been through the exact same circumstances, the exact same scenario, that has absolutely no break in their story other than the matching story of ours. <laughs> because if they don't have the matching story, we immediately discredit the fact that they do not get it. And that is how we are, generally. We're like, yeah, they get some of it, but they don't get all of it. And so we look for another friend who gets more of it. And the thing is, is that God gets us. He gets it. He understands. The Bible says that Jesus literally faced every single thing you will ever face. Everything. So there's absolutely nothing that you can say that he doesn't understand, he hasn't lived through, he hasn't gained a victory in, and he hasn't won in. He gets it. He caused, the devil caused Eve to doubt God. And that brings us to our first choice I want to make as ladies in the house tonight. I want ladies in the house to choose to believe and not doubt. You know, Satan distracted her from what God had provided and made her believe that it wasn't enough. I want our ladies to know that he is enough. You know, the world tells us all the time that we are not enough. We're not good enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not smart enough. What we have is not enough. The people in our lives are not enough. But the truth is what God is calling us to believe. The truth. And it seems easy because, of course, we always are looking for the truth. Don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. Be genuine. Be authentic. And God is saying, I'm telling you the truth. Choose the truth. 
And sometimes we still, it's like we don't like the truth, so we choose doubt. Like we love being anxious. Like we love being stressed out. Like we love being afraid. We love being depressed. We love, it's like, why do we choose that when we have the choice because he gave us dominion to choose to believe the truth that sets us free? And I am believing tonight that we are going to be set free tonight. You know, it's crazy how the world tries to put us against each other. And this is the enemy's plan. Here we have men against women and women against women. And it is it has gotten crazy. You know, I personally am for meeting, like, the needs and the brokenness of people who have been sexually harassed, sexually abused, etc. I do want to make sure that those people get heard and people get hurt, helped. But what has happened in our society now is the fact that now we're telling stories that actually don't meet the definition of that. But they want, we want sympathy for that. And it's sad because people who actually have been hurt and need help, their problems will be minimalized by the people whom are saying, me too, when actually the story is not the same. <laughs> it's not me too. You're not included in that. And so that is not to attack anybody. That is just to show the light of the fact how the enemy wants us, every woman, to be against every man. <laughs> that is what the enemy loves. And we were not created the same as men, but we were created equal. And so there's no competition. We have to have each other to do what God's called us to do because that's how he created us. And we here have other women. It's like we cannot say someone is pretty without thinking I'm not pretty because you're pretty. <laughs> and it's like why can't you win and I win? Why can't something good happen in your life and something good happen in my life? Because the last time I read God is good, and there's no lack of goodness, and there's actually enough goodness to go around. And so I can celebrate with you, and you can celebrate with me, and we can be on the same team. Like, that is, I believe, one of the best things about Christianity. If I'm not a Christian, sure I'm against everybody else. I'm going to get mine. But I'm a Christian, and I have a huge team to help me accomplish the goal that God has called me to accomplish, and I don't have to do it by myself, and that's like the best news ever. Because I am just not somebody who likes that. I want help. If anything, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute, I would easily become the martyr. Oh, it's all on me. Nobody cares. Nobody's here to help me. Oh, no, I'm not, I don't want to live that way. I want to be saved, sanctified in the body of Christ where there are other people helping me do what God has called me to do. Okay, so the next one is to, you know what, I want our ladies in the house to choose to be. And now this is a hard one because choosing to be is really vague, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to break it down. Okay, so here in Genesis 2.21, 
It says, So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And so basically this guy was going hubba, hubba, hubba. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me, okay? So, like, this is like him being like, she's awesome, okay? She's awesome. Not even on the, just on the outside, but she's awesome on the inside. She's boned, bones in my bones. He's talking about her true beauty inside, outside. Because back then, before the curse, he saw her spirit. He saw her soul. So he didn't just see through fleshly eyes. He was able to see spiritual things, too. Because those eyes had not been shut yet. And so when he saw her, he saw this beautiful creation that was on his same team. Beautiful inside and out. And see, here in our world, all that we see in the media and the culture and the commercials is just be sexy, be sexy, be sexy. And if you're not sexy, be, be a man. And that's exactly what it has turned into. And what I want to say is the fact that what God has created me to be is the best offer I have. There is no better offer than what he created me to be. And so that's one thing that I feel like brings us freedom. See, sexy is only skin deep, but beauty goes so deep that you can't find the end of it. Because it's in a person who reflects the creator of beauty. When you know who created you and how beautiful he is, and we are his, we reflect him. And we have a different kind of beauty than the world. You know, I don't know about you, but did you ever hear your mother tell, don't be ugly? Don't be ugly. Don't act like that. That's ugly. Don't say that. That was ugly. Uh, 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 uh. I didn't say anything. I saw it. You're being ugly. You know what I'm saying? Do you ever say any mamas say what their mama said? Okay, so I tell my girls this all the time because I believe it's a really important message. It, it's an important message for a 5-year-old, for a 10-year-old, for a 20-year-old, for a 40-year-old, for a 70-year-old to not be ugly because we don't have an excuse when we have the creator of beauty to reflect. We have an opportunity to bring beauty to this ugly world. And this is a very ugly world that we live in. But we have the awesome blessing to be able to change it. You know, I don't know. You may have dealt with some really tough things. You know, you may be dealing with divorce. You may have dealt with, with abuse or rape. Or, you know, you may not, you think, well, that, none of those things relate with me. But you know what? I deal with PMS every month, and that's pretty rough. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what spectrum you deal with or what thing you have faced. But I have to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for you and he saved you the day that really bad thing happened and that really hard day had to be lived and the day that was good. He died for you and saved you and shed his blood for you so that you could get healed, whole, free, and completely and totally delivered. And so that is beautiful. That story is the most beautiful story that I have ever heard.
You know, Isaiah 61.10 says, For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. And I believe that that's the beauty that we are supposed to be clothed with. And it's at our, it's accessible to us. Does that make sense? When he died on the cross, he made that righteousness and that salvation accessible to us to wear. You know, the next thing would be to be a helper. You know, under choose to be, I want our ladies in the house to bring beauty to an ugly world. And I want our ladies in the house to be a help, not a hindrance. And the problem with this is the fact that our world looks down upon this word. They say the Bible suppresses women. And the bottom line is, guys, we've got it all wrong. Because helper is an awesome role to play. Because I don't know about you, but the opposite of helper is hindrance. And there is in nowhere in my life that I want anybody to say that I was a hindrance to them. I want to be a helper. And that truly is the call to us as a believer. This doesn't mean that you can't be the CEO. This doesn't mean that you can't lead your family. This just means that we're beautiful. We choose to believe that we are a helper, not a hindrance. Like our gifts and our callings and our jobs don't keep us from doing what God's created us to do. We just do what God's called and created us to do inside of whatever he specifically placed us in. If you are at home wiping booties, changing diapers, then you be beautiful and you be a helper. If you are in an office and you are bossing people, you be a helper and you be beautiful and you choose to believe God's word. I believe that these things that we see in Eve are not limited to what you do for a living or how old you are or what you look like or how long you've been in church. This is something we all can choose to be. In Romans 12, 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I worship him when I help others. And when I understand that, I'm not thinking, well, somebody should be helping me. I'm thinking, I want to serve and praise and worship the Lord, and this is my opportunity to help someone. I'm not doing it for someone's approval. I'm not even doing it because something's necessary. I want everything that I do to be out of the motivation of worship, that I choose his way, and I'm worshiping him as I'm serving. The next thing in Eve, with Eve that we learn is to be a life giver. In Genesis 2, 28, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And many people look at this and think, Well, I, maybe I don't have children, or maybe I'm out of that season. I'm not bearing children any longer. I just want you to know that this scripture is not only talking about children. This scripture is talking about when you walk into the room and there is death, you have the power of life and death in your tongue. Women are famous for all the words that we have and all the talking that we do. But God created us that way to give life. 
and to tell that dead thing to rise. And it may be, maybe that hope is dead in you. Maybe love is dead in you. I don't know what, maybe faith is dead in you. But you have the power of life and death in your tongue, and you can say, arise, hope. Arise, faith. Arise, love. And we can do what God has called us to do and be a life giver. It says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses. This is in Deuteronomy 30, 19. Witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. Everybody say life and death. Blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And every single day and every single minute that you have an opportunity to use a word, you are choosing life or death. We have a choice to make to be a life giver or a life sucker. And, you know, you may be somebody in this room that you think, you know what, I've been sucking the life out of a relationship in my life. And today is the day that you choose to change all of that. I remember in a season of our marriage, there was an issue that continued to come up. And I remember saying something about my husband. And you know what? It was honestly a little bit true (laughs) about him. And I would say it over and over and over and over and over again. Every time I got frustrated, it was like, you are so, you are so... And I don't know if you've been in that situation with a friend or with your mom or with your kids. You're like, you are so difficult or you are so. And I remember hearing the Lord speak to me one day when I was so frustrated and I went to the Lord and like, fix him, God. You know, ever done that? And I remember God saying, you are creating and feeding that spirit inside of him. And I thought, okay, that would be the wrong choice. And so I'm going to choose my words differently. And I remember sometimes it would be automatic. It would come in me and I was about to say it and I'd have to stop myself and be like, I would say something differently. I would choose life because I believe that we do have creative power in our tongue. And we speak something as though we know that it can be. In faith, knowing that God can turn anything and everything and anyone around, including ourselves. You know, I've known loud people and boisterous people and quiet people and creative people and analytical people. I have seen them be this woman. So it's not limited to personality. It's not limited to preferences. It's not limited to background. It's, it's accessible to all of us because we get to choose every day, every moment, what we will choose. Now, number three, and I'm closing, I promise. <laughs> we choose to accept God's love or ignore it. And you know, guys... I remember thinking, I've been in church almost my whole life, and I do know God loves me, and I've had many experiences with the Lord that he has just really rocked my world. You know, he's been the father to me when I didn't have a father. He has provided mentors in my life when I needed mentors. He's orchestrated my steps. He's put me exactly where I need to be at the right time, at the right place. 
I've seen him move so mightily. He has healed my family so many times. Some of you have heard some of those stories. But you know, as I was looking at this scripture and studying it a little bit more, and I've used this scripture a lot because I love it, but I really had to dig deep and think, I can't really talk about this scripture without talking about the love of God because it's so powerful. And oftentimes, we know it, but we don't understand it. And this is the scripture that I want to point out to you. is in Song of Solomon 2.2. It says, As the lily among thorns, so is my darling among the daughters. And you know, this Song of Solomon is a book about God's bride. It's about marriage. But it's also, it's, it's about God's relationship with his bride. And his bride is what we call the body of Christ, the church. And so I'm not talking about a church building. I am talking about if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've confessed with your mouth, you've believed in your heart, and you have been saved, then you're a part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. So when I read this scripture again, I want you to remember, okay, he's speaking to me. He's not speaking to someone else. He's not, he's speaking to me. As the lily among thorns, so is my darling among the daughters. And I believe that he was looking at his bride saying, there's no one comparable to how beautiful you are and how wonderful you are and how unique you are and how much I love you. I believe he was, he was speaking to us as a whole and as individually. And the thing with the love of God that is really important to understand is when it says 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When we accept his perfect love daily, we walk in freedom. And I don't know about you, but I think the things that cause me to doubt him and the things that cause me to be ugly and the things that cause me to be a hindrance or to be a life sucker often are the things that I'm just afraid of what people think. (laughs) Or I'm afraid that I'm going to fail or... I'm going to afraid, I'm afraid of how that would portray my, myself. Like I get in a situation where I want to defend myself. And so then I lash out and I'm ugly. Or I talk ugly and gossip and suck the life out of somebody. Or I, you, do you see what I'm saying? There's always a root issue. And every time that root issue comes up, it's always a love issue. It's always, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. God loves me so much that he's going to catch me when I fall. That he's going to help me with the consequences when I fail. He's going to wrap his arms around me and accept me every single time. He's never going to let me go. He's never going to run away from me. He's always going to think the best about me. He always is going to ask me to do that thing that I feel like I'm unqualified for and still qualify me for. 
He literally loves me so much that he doesn't compare me with anybody. Because we're each so unique that he looks at us individually. And that empowers me to be free. I don't, I don't know if you're like me, but I actually love to dance. I actually took ballet for years. And, um, but I'm not talking about really ballet. I do love ballet. But I, love, I look at people dancing and having fun and swing dancing and just like goofing off and all of it. And I'm just like, that looks like so much fun. But I don't really move like that. You know, I'm like, that's just not me. And so I know that I've found myself many times in a situation where everybody's having fun except me. Where I'm like watching everybody have fun. Wow, they look like they're having a great time. Isn't that great? <laughs> but I, I don't go out because I don't feel comfortable. And I just feel insecure in that situation. But yet there have been moments that I've stayed long enough to feel comfortable enough to get out there and have fun at the very end always. <laughs> and then afterwards I think, why didn't I just do that earlier? That was so much fun. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I'm, let's say I'm with someone whom I know accepts me just the way I am. And I just let it loose because I know they just get me and they're not going to judge me and they're going to laugh with me when I make a weird move. <laughs> and I think sometimes that's exactly what we do in our life is we're so concerned that we're going to fail or look stupid or be embarrassed or someone's not going to like it that we don't do what God wants us to do because we just don't feel comfortable and I believe that God wants to tell you tonight that he loves you so much he's the one that you don't have to worry about what he thinks because he thinks good, and he loves us, and he, he provides a comfort for us that we could never find in an outside source so much because that comfort empowers us to do what God has asked us to do. That thing that we think we're afraid to do, that thing that we may fall on our face on, that thing that we may say it wrong on, he's like, but I'm here, and I love you so much, it doesn't matter. I got you. And you know what? The one thing about a lily and a real flower is that you can stick it in a trash bag full of raw meat and dirty diapers. And you take it out, and it still smells like a flower. It still brings beauty and fragrance. And this scripture specifically talks about thorns. And thorns are a fruit of the curse. And the curse was when Eve and Adam sinned and brought a curse because of the sin. And so thorns then grew. And so here we have an opportunity when Jesus died on the cross and broke the curse to not be the thorn. And we have an opportunity to be the lily that is a fruit of the blessing. And this is a choice. Because he did die for us and he did break the curse, we get to choose to live under the curse as a thorn and hurt people and repel people. Or we get to choose to live under the blessing of his salvation and be a lily that bears fruit and attracts people and says, hey, he's so beautiful. 
And as we close tonight, I want to encourage us. I want to challenge us. I want to prophesy to us that the ladies in the house would choose him. It says that today choose whom you're going to serve. Today and tomorrow and the next day, we can choose to believe. We can choose to bring beauty to an ugly world. We can choose to be a help, not a hindrance. We can choose to be a life giver, not a life sucker. We can choose to accept the love of God that empowers us to do everything he's asked us to do and to cast out all fear in our lives. And that is good news.